Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is the 15th of June, 2023, um, almost the end of the second quarter, and more importantly, one week from now, the beginning of summer. So, um, you know, get this through your head. Summer's almost gone. Get out there and enjoy it while you can, because if you work in the tech industry, you get chained to your desk, and um, before you know it, it's Labor Day, September's run around, or, or it's October, and uh, second summer is come and gone, and you regret not getting out when you oughta have. So, you oughta. Summer's almost <laughs> over, and it hasn't even begun. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. Um, we got tons of stuff to go through today, Christine. I mean, it's, 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 it's like we've got like 20 unique stories to cover. Yeah, you would think like we went a month between shows, but it's only been a week. <laughs> okay, biggest story this week, and this is honestly, this is a week of some, some fairly significant stories, but the biggest one I think um, for, for SEOs, um, Brighton SEO has announced where uh, Brighton SEO USA is going to take place uh, November 9th and 10th at the uh, Manchester Grand Hyatt San Diego. So uh, if you go to um, their website and uh, us.brightonseo.com slash register, tickets are like 70% off. Um, really, really low cost for the experience you're likely to get. Um, San Diego, there you go. Um, in late Hi, November, Indeed, yeah, you were just there, and this is, I wonder if this is going to be like, uh, kind of like the Chicago show was, if they start doing this annually. Remember how the Chicago SES show was the end of the year, and, you know, it was the end of the conference cycle, it was almost the Christmas show, and people were just happy and relaxed, and uh, you were off tour, so you were going to get to go home for the first time in a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's a great, it's San Diego is a great location. If you are coming from somewhere else in the world or on the East Coast and you don't know much about San Diego uh, and you can give yourself an extra day or two, they have an amazing safari park conservation zoo where you can actually see the animals like outside in their natural habitats. And uh, they have um, the gas light district, gas lamp district, not gas light. Yeah, yeah. Which, don't, don't. Nothing yeah. good ever happens in the day. Like, Don't go no. there. Because remember what happened last time you were there, right? Exactly. Now in the gas lamp district, which is a lovely place for food and bars and, and things like that. So give yourself a little extra time on each side if you're coming from a little bit of a distance away. Me, it's an hour plane plane ride, so I can go anytime. So. I, I really like San Diego. Um, I lived there for a few months uh, just over a decade ago when I worked for a... Uh, uh, a company uh, just in the north end of San Diego. Um, it's a beautiful town. It's really, really, really hot. I'm not sure what it's going to be like in November. Um, probably really, really, really hot. No, um, it's not really hot. Okay. It's very, it's very temperate. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not cold, but it it'll probably be like 60, 70s. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's yeah. pretty temperate. It's an excellent city. Um, if you're interested, it's an excellent experience. I'm, you know, kind of thinking they chose San Diego because uh, there's similarities to to to, to Brighton. Minus the minor, the massive naval base. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's on it's on the water. You can get fresh seafood. Also, people don't know about Brighton uh, ticket pricing. Uh, as Jim said, they're greatly reduced right now. The early birds are about fifty to seventy percent off. Uh, they also have a zero dollar ticket, free ticket. Normally, they do it by lottery, but in the U.S., I guess they're just offering it. And it doesn't give you a lot, but it does give you party, parties and networking events where you don't have to pay anything to attend those. A big part about Brighton SEO in the UK is the networking is amazing. People come from all over Europe and they hang out and they, you know, catch up. And so if you're looking for one of those great conferences where you have great material, but also 
a great chance to catch up with people or meet new people in the industry, it'd be a great place to go. And so right now their rates are starting at $0 for that pass, uh, up to $625 for a training pass, which includes, I believe, one or two days of training. And then just the basic pass is 275, which is really reasonable. That's really cheap. If like, you wait too long, though, they go really way reasonable. Up. That's insanely reasonable yeah. for a full-scale <laughs> SEO conference, a two-day SEO conference. Exactly. Now, if you wait, they're going to go way up. So if well, I think that same $275 ticket is 1,200 something. I uh, know 650, but the $500 ticket is 1,200. Okay. So yeah, and that has a couple extras in a VIP drink reception and reserved front row seats. If you want to make fun of your friends who are speaking, I'm only teasing. No, you guys used to do that to me all the time, which always made me so nervous. But oh, I love to hear there. That's <laughs> how actually, if you are a speaker and um, any of the uh, the older crew comes and does that to you, that's kind of know how how you how you know you made it because you know, it is. Yeah, yeah, you're like honestly oh. wouldn't waste our time hazing hazing people if we didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you liked me. That's great. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I used to make a sport of that. I used to, uh, and I I tempted people to come do that to me, like make me laugh while I talk, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 been, it's a it's a tradition. Say so if you're there, a lot, there's not a lot of big SEO conferences anymore in the United States. It kind of dwindled over the years. So if you're looking for one that could become the next biggest thing, where everyone gets together and hangs out and networks and has great content, give it a they definitely give it a try. Brighton SEO in the UK is twice a year, and it is the UK conference. So the people that are running this, we've had Kelvin on the show before, uh, know what they're doing and they know how to put on a good show. So yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be very cool. Okay, so it's uh, it's June, it's Pride Month, and um, it is uh, worth noting um, that uh, you know Pride evolved from a demand for not just not just equality but for safe spaces. Um, the reason there was a riot in 1969 in New York mm -hmm. City uh, in, the, in the part of the city called Stonewall outside of the Stonewall Tavern which was a gay bar notoriously busted by the cops over and over and over again until one day the patrons of the bar stood up and said we're not going to take that anymore and they literally rioted um, against a, a, a police raid and the police were raiding again just because it was a gay bar so that's stone that, that that's what Stonewall is that was the beginning of Pride Month. Now, the whole concept of, 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 of Pride took off from there, and it's about safe spaces. And so uh, one of the leading advocacy groups for um, the LGBTQ community in the United States, GLAD, um, it rated all major social media platforms. And uh, well, predictably, it rated them all quite poorly. None of them provide really safe spaces, but the worst of all, beyond measure to like, like a completely different ballpark, as it turns out, has become Twitter, which last year um, wasn't the worst of all. <laughs> um, it's really, it's, just, it's, it, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's considered an unsafe space more than just, it's actually been labeled by GLAD as a most dangerous platform for LGB, LGBTQIA people. So, um, like you said, all of them get pretty bad reviews, but this one is particularly, particularly bad. Why is this important? Because we share this planet together and what we say and think about each other is really honestly dictates how people treat each other. It's a safety issue. It's a human rights issue. It's a, we want a better community for everyone to live in and more importantly, for everyone to do good business in. Exactly. And, and also Twitter has gone somewhat, it's not just that Twitter just magically became this more dangerous place. Twitter's policies under Elon Musk have made it a more dangerous place. Oh, no, purposely, like yeah. Yeah, like they removed the policy against targeted misgendering or dead naming of transgender individuals. Um, they uh, have decimated their team that moderates or handles safety issues. I don't even think there's anybody left, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly. Um, he's pushed uh, right-wing people back onto the platform that were banned, including literal Nazis, like people literally declared themselves Nazis were put back on the platform. So while Facebook and Instagram saw 15% uh, point increase for both platforms in safety to 61 to 63% um, on the 12 indicators GLAD uses, especially for hate protection from hate and harassment, 
um, and other a couple other items uh, to uh, Twitter saw itself go down, down, down to the bottom. Yeah. So, so then yeah. again, that's the, the, given that Twitter was at one time the place where people went to see if something was verifiably true. That's just that's just terribly sad. Um, now, now, quick, again, why is this important? I'm not gay. I'm cis, middle-aged, white male. But what I really like is stability and a good, safe environment for everyone. Level yeah. playing field for everyone to do business in, because that's what we're here for. Yeah, and, and it's—I'm it's, sorry, I didn't mean. Just because say one of the things that made America great—that really, really made America great—and this is a Canadian talking. This is a Canadian talking. Yeah, is its attitude towards equal opportunity in business, like go make money, go do it. That's what you're supposed to do. Don't prevent other people from making money, and more importantly, don't divide markets. For goodness' sake, why would you do that? <laughs> like well, after I, people, they're gonna buy this stuff. And why would you do that? That's exactly. insane. <laughs> and and why? And and I am a blonde hair, blue eyed. Um, uh, I don't know if it's called second or third generation America. My grandfather's a war refugee from also Hungary. Um, and those are characteristics I can't change about myself. And for you to hate someone or to treat someone with such disregard as Twitter does um, because of an innate characteristic, you know, uh, they, people who are transgender or who are LGBTQIA have, they, that's who they are. And so why is that a problem for some people? I don't know, but definitely it should, the online spaces should be required to be a safe space for all people, um, you know, because it, people are who they are and you should love them for that and not try to have them live up to their expectation or miss, what's the right word for this? Um, mis <laughs> to, well, uh, to, to misgenderize, to mischaracterize, yeah, to misname, yeah. to dead name. Yeah. You know what, ultimately to insult, because that's what it comes down to. It comes that's, down yeah. to insults, to oppress and to damage. And that, again, I don't know why anybody would want to do that. Yeah, exactly. And, it's, and, and fortunately, because um, many people don't know someone who's transgender, a lot of people know people who are, are gay at this point, but um, because now people are more free to talk about it, not because they weren't there before, but you, they don't know someone who is, so it's easy to um, lop them into this category of hate. And, and you know, they're just um, fabulous, wonderful people. Some are not fabulous and wonderful, just like any people. It's like but, anyone else, indeed. Like anyone else. They're just people and they just happen to, to feel differently. And so about who they are, then they appear on the out, you know, appeared originally on the outside. So that's it. Like they just accept them and love them. You know, this hate thing is just ridiculous. Okay. Happy pride, everybody. Create exactly. safe spaces, maintain safe spaces and protect safe spaces for everybody. Cause uh, you never know one day you may need one for yourself. Speaking of Twitter, <laughs> not only to town on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter dows on itself so well. It it's getting kicked out of its uh, of its office space in Denver. Yeah. Um, for mm -hmm. not well, predictably, this is what happens if you don't pay your rent. They will uh, probably evict you. Um, yeah. When so it comes got, to forty nine days media. to get out of town um, from a sixty five thousand square foot office space. Yeah, but he doesn't care. Like he sees that as a positive, sadly. Um, that the thing is, though, I mean, Twitter has really become the deadbeat dad, hasn't it, of the social media space? Well, indeed. Uh, but yeah. by the way, where are these workers supposed to work from? Home? I uh, thought. How many, I thought Elon Musk was absolutely against people working from home. You know, he has said that before. I don't know if there's many left, though. Like it used to have 300 employees, but. I don't think there's a whole lot that are still there. I th about, about half of them are there, as I understand it. It had like, um, it fired 87 employees in Boulder um, last year. Uh, yeah. Another like, say, 40 uh, left voluntarily. I'm sure a few others have sort of weeded themselves out. But, you know, from 300 to what, somewhere about 150. Um, and maybe you don't need 65,000 square feet for 150 people, but they still got to work somewhere. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they also didn't pay their cleaning company. They owe them about $93,000. Well, there you go. For that, for that, for that, for that one. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Again, that's not, that's not, that's not that, and that's really not, that's not funny. It isn't because um, those companies can't afford, I'm sure, to yeah, be owed that people. much money. They got yeah. kids. They got to feed their kids. I mean, that's real. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when I used to train new SEOs and I used to like um, 
remind them heavily that our clients tend to be small businesses investing their kids' college fund in our services. Be really aware of that. Same with well, these small companies, small third parties you might contract with. They're people who have bills. Um, they're not big corporations like this cleaning company. Probably a small business of like 50 people or less. Yeah, exactly. And they can't afford that. Unfortunately, there is a sort of predatory nature sometimes for smaller companies or these big companies with lots of lawyers and they know that the smaller company can't do anything about it if they don't pay, get chosen, and they think they've like struck it big and they haven't because the company doesn't play fair, doesn't you know, really respect their business. And in many ways, like, you know, you got to look at that and say it's up to the small business to choose who they do business with. But a year ago, doing business with Twitter was kind of a good bet because they might have been a messed up company and they mightn't have had a uh, stable revenue model, but they had a sense of ethics. Exactly. And I think that's what the entire first quarter of our show has been about today. It's just <laughs> a basic sense of ethics. Yeah, I always say that you can tell someone's personal integrity or ethics by ask, by letting hearing what they're willing to put the words, it's only business around, what actions. So, you know, Musk, it's only business, I'm not paying my bills, right? But that's an ethics and integrity issue too. Yep, um, and, and uh, you speak- can say that again, but you gotta, you gotta understand what that means, right? Speaking of, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Speak- no, no, you're fine. I was just speaking of deadbeat Twitter. I mean, really, this is the <laughs> three stories today. All important. Google didn't just stiff the small, I mean, Twitter just didn't stiff the small guy. You know who else they stiffed? Oh, uh, no. Google. No. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, like Google, so, so when, when, when Google says, give us money, they really mean they'll cut you off, right? Well, it's Google Cloud Services, so they're still in negotiations, but apparently Twitter has not paid their cloud service bill. I don't know. That could become a problem for running a company that's online. I don't know. Could you imagine what Twitter's cloud service bill might approximate? No, and they're on um, Amazon, too, so they I don't know if they're paying Amazon right now, but... Well, those yeah. lefty pinkos at Google are one thing, but Jeff Bezos, he don't screw around. <laughs> uh, Google's lawyers are pretty litigious, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> and actually, I think they they did have a couple people from the Trump administration join them for real. Um, they're not lefty pinkos necessarily. They're a hardcore alphabet's a hardcore uh, corporation. Yeah, hardcore. They were um, the biggest lobbying group in D.C. at one point. Oh, and by the way, you know what Google's services do? Their host services do. They fight spam, child sex abuse materials and protecting accounts, among other things. So they're using the services they're now not paying for to offer protection on the web, which apparently they've already not cared about that much lately. So we'll see see what happens. I don't even that's want, insane, I don't, right? I don't even want to think of where that can go, honestly. No, I don't, that's honestly, the, the, no, the we laugh. The stories that immediately yeah. come, into, come to mind. Yeah, it's, wow. it's, ridic- it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous thing that Twitter's not paying its hosting bill, but especially for those services, but as we know, Musk hasn't really cared much about protecting users on its platform. So. Well, and he's actually he's 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 trying to get away with 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 not paying Google for a massive service. Yes. That's, okay. Good. Well, it's okay. Not like Google's maybe they'll forget. Like it's not like you know Google's kind of flaky with information, right? Yeah, I'm sure Google will just forget about it. I mean, I know when on my, you know, app accounts in Google Play, when my credit card had to be changed yeah. over, they didn't just cancel my stuff. Oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> oh, they will. Like, I, I, have, yeah. I have Google managing my company's email accounts. And, um, yeah, I had that same problem. I forgot to update when my credit card changed over for, uh, because of the, 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 the expiry date. I forgot to update it. And, yeah, sure as shooting. Boom, they canceled yep. it. Exactly. Instantly. And I got a, anyway, feeling, so I got a feeling moving forward, Google's going to want to watch every penny. Um, it has some pretty stiff uh, expenses, especially, especially working with AI, but it also has some pretty daunting challenges ahead. Um, Google might be forced at least as far as its profile to the EU, European Union, Google might be forced to go all bell telephone on itself and break itself up. They're in the uh, Efferund and Feindut 
stage of things. Um, oh, wow. It's so, ad business, right? Nearly yeah. 225 billion in 2022. Well, yeah, that's somewhere somewhere between like uh, 80 and 90% of Google's total revenues. Um, and by um, the way, so people know, that's not just Google, that's Alphabet too. It's the revenues for both. Yeah, so here's yeah. the deal. Um, the European Union has incredibly stringent privacy uh, uh, regulations that that cover um, user behavior online. Google has an amazingly robust um, advertising system that exploits the activities of users and what they do online to you know present uh, uh, ad tailored to their stated and obvious content or content choices. That actually makes a lot of sense to advertisers' ears. You know, in the in the the, the, the words of uh, uh, Wanamaker, half of my advertising dollar is wasted. I just don't know which half. Google eliminated <laughs> that problem. AdWords almost entirely obliterated that problem. And when a fine-tuned AdWords campaign serves, you know, good returns, it, 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 it's demonstrable. It happens. It's for real. But that depends on a huge amount of of user data and information. And that's illegal in the EU, the way Google does it. Google has been warned about this. This is a story we've been covering for over a decade on Webcology, for real. And uh, it's coming to the head. It's literally coming to a head. Google may, uh, honest to goodness, be forced to break itself up to continue doing business in Europe. Well, let's say in addition, it's also because basically in our American terms, we call it a monopoly. Mm -hmm. But they are, they control so much of the ad market, um, according, uh, they, they say there's potential for misconduct, mm -hmm. and the ad tech supply chain, and it appears to have abused its market position by ensuring both advertisers and publisher service as allegedly favored ad X over other ad exchanges when matching advertisers and publishers, meaning Google was preference itself in its own ad network. That is a no-no in the EU and in the United States. So the US is a little harder because our laws are a little more um, general and not as easy. Your laws case. are really specific. It's just your regulators are a little more general well, and hazy. That might be it, yeah. But, but you know, it'll go through the court case and it'll take years and years and years where the EU is more decisive and direct. It's like, yeah, you violated this and we're not happy and we're going we're gonna to go after you now. So it said that uh, the Google, when advertisers buy Google ads, the expectation EC suggested is that Google would place bids on as many ad exchanges as possible to get the highest distribution of ads. That wasn't what Google was doing, EC alleged. Instead, Google is allegedly only and almost only placing bids on its own exchange. AdX is practiced, the EAC alleged, makes AdX the most attractive marketplace and gave a significant competitive advantage over rival ad exchanges. This is a quote I just read. So they're self-preferencing. Now, if you're going to add in, I haven't seen anything on this yet, all the automation and AI that Google is using in ads and taking away the ability for people who place ads to really control them, that is also a, going to be... I'm, going to think an additional issue for them going forward. It's but yeah, you're right. Be. They want to break them up. Yeah, they want to break so, them up. So yeah, so this is a, this I think was a, is a significant challenge to Google moving forward or Alphabet moving forward, especially given um, how Alphabet uses Europe, uh, specifically Ireland and uh, Holland to work around paying taxes in the United States. Um, yeah, again, I don't know how this works out. It um, actually starts to boggle my mind at this point because um, there's three or four different unique challenges Google has to face to deal with you, uh, EU regulation. Um, I think you're in deep trouble. I uh, think so, but actually it's, it's self-inflicted. I mean... Well, indeed, it was it, a decade. We've talked about this for a decade. Yeah, it's basically... We'll make lots of money while this runs through courts and systems, and eventually someday maybe we'll get hit with a big fine that we'll just pay, uh, you know. So we'll we'll see. But at, at this point, this isn't a fine. This is a threat to Google's actual operations. So we'll see if they respond this time. The fines they don't care about. Like that's like a day's wait, you know, day's ad revenue for them usually. Okay, so jumping stories. 15 hours, uh, I think, uh, sorry, 15 days, 10 hours, an X number of minutes from the time of uh, 
this podcast recording until the time that uh, Universal Analytics stops recording data. But if you're using Universal uh, Analytics now, UA3, uh, what, what you consider what, you, what we've called Google Analytics forever, UA3, you might notice a uh, lack of navigation option on the left side. Uh, Google seems to have retired its left side nav in advance of retiring Universal Analytics altogether. Have, have, have you seen that? <laughs> I have not, but I'm not going to go check. I'm going to log in and check. Yeah, go check. Go check Google Analytics. Choose any oh account. All of my client accounts have no left side navigation for Universal Analytics. GA4 oh. accounts are working just fine. <laughs> um, well, I, I hope they're working just fine. I mean, I I think they are. Uh, um, I, do have, I do have some right hand now, left hand now, but most of it's missing. Most of it's gone down to get, towards the bottom. You can get to the admin and all that sort of stuff, all the stuff no, you need to update. Real time audience acquisition behavior conversions, but there's a big blank spot where stuff used to be. Um, I get a big clock 15 days, 12 hours, 22 minutes, and 45 seconds until G4. But yeah, it, there's a big block of missing. So on the left hand side. So that's I'm not sure kind of annoying, there. isn't it? It's very annoying. Uh, you know, it's you know it's really sad, really, about this whole thing. And I, I do know this is hearsay, but somebody told me because they spend lots and lots of money with Google Ads that their internal rep told them they know that this is I'm just gonna say the word poo, you know, for the yep, filters on not ready for prime time. It's poo. They know it's poo. They agree it's poo, but they had a deadline and they're gonna still roll it out. Yep. So I still have clients right now begging me to find them something to get off of it because they hate G4 so much. I think G4 is going to be a big problem for Google. I know it's not a big, big pile of money for them, but still, don't they still pay a hundred thousand years, hundred thousand a year for the paid accounts? Now, if you're not right? one of those people who pay a hundred grand for the paid account, if you're just one of the little guys um, and you need that data, don't despair. You can still get to it. It's just kind of hard. Um, Look at your uh, sort of like the main screen, uh, your main screen, like go click home. You still have access to that. And then look at the main screen in the, in the, in the middle of the, 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 your, your dashboard screen. Every, every one of the uh, examples, um, your, your, your audience overview, your acquisition report, active user report, etc. These are the links that can get you to um, for the most part, to the tools that are currently missing on your left side navigation. You have to reset the dates every time. Um, it's almost like you're opening a new set, a new data session every time because Google doesn't seem to remember what you've done from one grouping to the other grouping. But if you desperately need this information before it goes dark, you can still get to it just mess around with your um, dashboard screen from the from the home uh, link, which is, which is still there, and uh, uh, grab as much of whatever you can, because um, who knows what they're going to do. If, if they're doing well, this before their degradation day, what are they going to do on degradation day? Well, the thing is, it's just going to go away. The thing is, if you're paying $100,000, you still have a year. But I know a major international company in Las Vegas who has moved off of Google because of this. The idea is that you're supposed to have an analytics product that any person can use. But the problem with G4 is if you want any real meaningful data, you have to be able to use things like BigQuery and, and other products like that and, and Looker. And there are a lot of regular, small, mid-sized businesses that just don't have anybody in their company that has that headspace or time. So uh, I have a feeling that uh, they're going to see a mass migration after people force this. But if you want to retain your data, which you will not get to, I think you get to retain a year now of data. Originally, yeah. all your data was going away. Um, if you want to retain your data, because it is important for companies, especially that are seasonal, to be able to see what their traffic was like before the pandemic, uh, you will want to go look for one of those products that will bring in all your data, there's a few out there, analytics products that will bring in all your data from um, the current version of analytics and that will um, let you use like universal, very similar to universal. Uh, I would keep your G4 tagging on because you might need that data for AdWords and things like that. But if you're seriously hating G4, uh, there are some analytics products out there. I haven't done a check this last month of what the best ones turned out to be, but there, there are some and they will bring in your historical data. 
Right now, the uh, e-commerce corporate cho choice du jour seems to be Adobe Analytics. We'll see where that, that goes. Yeah, that's not the best one either. I'm talking about for smaller to mid-sized companies or some out yeah. there that are like EU compliant. So for data privacy and everything, they work. Uh, but I don't remember which ones are the ones people recommended the most. Yeah. Okay. We got to cover it. We got to get there. I mean, we're just, we're just, we've, we've, I've avoided it as long as we could. Plager engine. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, a very engine. Good, good way to put it. <laughs> so it's been what, like um, three, four weeks of the search generative experience now? Not that I've got to see it, but um, I everybody else has enjoyed it for almost a month, right? No, I don't enjoy it. I generally ignore it and click something before it even fills out. It's annoying to me. But yeah, go ahead. Well, <laughs> it's there. And okay. it's been there long enough that people are um, getting, you know, more than a first glance at it. They're actually getting some pretty hardcore um, user response reviews. And, um, well, a, uh, a, a piece written at uh, Tom's, Tom's Hardware by the, by the editor-in-chief um, is a... Uh, Pretty, uh, pretty hardcore crit critique of um, Google's search generative experience. Um, he uh, coins the term plagiarism stew, um, notes how it gives faulty medical advice, suggests it hurts the open web, um, states the obvious aphorism, no authority, no trust. And uh, well, he suggests it just gives all around bad, poor answers. <laughs> um, well, you know, SEOs were noticing uh, a week or two ago that it was copying content directly. Remember we talked about last week, the cost of using a chat GPT type system for Google would increase cost 1000, was it percent times times per query? Yeah, I imagine that, right? Like there, what is their query cost already? Like a billion a year, so now it'd be what a trillion? Like, I don't know. But um, so it sounds like they're doing a lot of mashup of things they pull from like featured snippets or well, that's what I was thinking. Like, um, yeah. it, it sounds a lot like from what I'm seeing, the images I'm seeing, it looks a lot like a bunch of feature snippets mashed together. Yeah, it often con okay. So, in my experience with it, it often contradicts itself. The information is very narrow. It's like very generalized. It gives wrong information, like any LLM. So it does have some element component to it. Also, according to Tom's article, Tom's Harvard article, article, it gives faulty medical advice, which is. I don't understand why Google, since Google says they know what a your money, your life query is, why would they have these show up on your money or your life queries? Because that is a huge legal issue for them. Yeah. You know, someone's having a heart attack, looks it up and gets a mashup of things that don't mention like, you know, calling 911 or giving them CPR, whatever it happens to be. I'm not saying they're doing that. But in this case, he looked up something about a colonoscopy and it doesn't even mention routine screening for cancer. There's a reason to get a colonoscopy. I will still maintain these do not belong in search. They're not search engines. They're not search products. They're just competing with ChatGPT. Maybe once the, the fire from that all you know, dies down a bit, they'll, they'll back off of it. But I haven't found them particularly useful. I literally want a way to turn it off, except for getting out of the program because I do want to be able to test it. But it's, it's just not, to me, it's not that useful. Other people I've seen on social, just there are industry, so there are search people, but I've been mentioning how they're really getting annoyed by Bing Chat and Google's SGE because they're not particularly helpful. They're often wrong. And you know what I think a bigger issue for Google and Bing is, and I tweeted this to this to them this week. Sometimes they read my stuff, I've heard. Not often, I'm sure. But uh, it's that their reputations. So people are going to go in and they're going to get these SGE models or the chat model, and they're going to think this is search. Because there is, there should be a big warning that this is not search, but it's just like quality of information may vary, something silly like that, um, and very small. People are going to start not trusting Bing and Google because they're going to get a lot of wrong information through these functions. I and think I think, I think it has a long-term cost for them that's much higher than just the financial cost of running these systems. Well, and, and if people have a hard time visualizing what Christine's talking about, think about a, a map program that directs people off a bridge by mistake. <laughs> Are we moving now, on to the next story? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, we actually we have a story <laughs> about exactly that, but no, not at all. Um, I, I was going to wait on that one. 
Um, <laughs> but imagine a, uh, we, actually, we actually really do have a story about that. But um, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is exactly what that was like. Remember when maps came out? This, is, this was like 2004, 2006 in that period when mapping was the really big thing. And we were going to be using like, 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 like um, all the data that, that Google provided to annotate maps, which exactly as we did. But then maps started becoming like, um, you know, live directions while, while driving, um, uh, GPS, the, the Jarman units and stuff. Um, and in some cases, they literally directed people off of, uh, off of bridges. <laughs> Your phone is ringing. Your bat phone is ringing. <laughs> bat phone's ringing. That, that's okay. Um, it literally directed people um, uh, in wrong directions off bridges. And when consumers heard that, they stopped trusting for a time uh, uh, different uh, uh, types of mapping units. I remember MapQuest got hit really badly with this. Um, they misdirected somebody and they had a hard time getting past that reputation. If you misdirect somebody in a... Uh, under a health query, a legal query, a financial query, or whatever, and you do it frequently enough, if one person is badly harmed by this and that becomes a viral story, the damage that can be done is, um, well, it's like driving yourself off a bridge. It's just it's, the, the bottom falls out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you can't Google, and it takes very little time for people to start not trusting you. Like Google's built and Bing have built up these long histories, decade now, two decades now, of you know, well Bing was like two thousand, I think, seven or eight, but but of you know, trust and users getting at least websites they can trust. That's what the whole algorithms are about. Um, and now they're getting false information. And as soon as they find out they get false information, what, two, three times? You think they're gonna keep using those functions? Probably not. And over time they'll stop trusting Google completely. So also the people that are running into like lakes and stuff, like there's a Hawaii where people actually drive off piers. There is. Uh, in Honolulu. Um, actually, I yeah. know exactly where that happens. I, I, I had my, 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 my uh, honeymoon near there. Oh, cool. But you have eyes. So like in the early days when those maps were wrong, and it would, it, the maps were often wrong because they had to update and they'd only update like every six months to a year. So if you're in a city that was changing, like I was, Las Vegas, changing all the time, it would say there was a road there that wasn't because maybe it's a future road or there wasn't a road there, but there was because it just been built. So I remember once like it's telling me to go into the desert and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to go into the desert. My common sense and eyes tell me that is not a road. <laughs> so apparently though, people that have driven off piers might want to trust their eyes over the device that they're holding. <laughs> Looks like no. there's not a road there anymore. Just in for, the water, for, for, for people doing queries about Las Vegas in the future, that really is a baseball team they're referring to, um, all appearances aside. Mm, hockey team, though. <laughs> we won the Stanley Cup. You did. You know what? I, I bet you, I am so sorry. I actually meant to open the show this way, Christine. I live in Toronto, and if my team had won the Stanley Cup, I would be opening the show announcing it. So, you know what? I, I regret not saying it's the very beginning. Go for it. Well, thank you. And I just want to say one little thing. I know this is like a little sidebar on our show today, but the, the Las Vegas Knights had their first game the week that we had the shooting on October 1 and they did blood banks and they they brought food to hospital workers and they stood in line and gave blood and so they are just like the heart of Las Vegas there will never be another team that comes here will have that kind of kind of feeling and so for us to win the Stanley Cup like every like every little town in Vegas like there's little side towns in Vegas all had like public venues with tens of thousands of people we're all watching all the bars it was pretty amazing the Stanley Cup is um, literally the hardest, most grueling trophy in professional sports to win. I'm from uh, a city where hockey is literally the official civic religion. And um, again, if, if we had won the Stanley Cup, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I wouldn't stop talking about it for the entire hour. Um, so <laughs> well, congratulations to the Golden Knights. That was a Thank phenomenal, you. phenomenal achievement. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, now back to our story. Yeah. <laughs> Back to previously, uh, back to our previous programming. Um, if you're using, we, you know what? Let's talk about an improvement with AI rather than how AI is is working to degrade stuff because you know we've got more of that coming up. I promise. But if you're using um, OpenAI, um, 
GPT 3.5 Turbo and GPT 4 for enhanced generative AI applications. Um, it's being retrained. It's being retrained and given uh, new enhancements. Um, uh, calling capacity, uh, capability, improved steerability. I guess it's going to be easier to use and prompt. Um, extended context for uh, GTP 3.5, uh, revised pricing structure to pay for all this stuff. Um, yeah. And expanded developer's toolbox for um, creating high-performing AI applications. Um, cool. And, and, I think it's actually, oh, and? Oh, I was just going to say, and developers aren't the only ones. Uh, if you're using these products, you're also seeing AI advancements from OpenAI. Um, so the developer models, Snapchat launched its generative AI chatbot. Uh, Salesforce released yep. the first generative AI CRM product, Einstein GPT. Uh, Morgan Stanley, a partnership with OpenAI for a few wealth management companies. HubSpot, to be able to write, I'm sure, doesn't say what. Uh, GitHub Copilot added generative AI for OpenAI Codex. Stripe Incorporated, GetResponse introduced OpenAI GPT-powered email generator, and Instacart created a chatbot to help consumers with grocery shopping. No, I'm... Instacart's one really, 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 really makes me, uh, makes me happy. Um, my partner, my partner Shauna has had, uh, several concussions and, uh, several seizures and, um, uh, she has severe memory issues and making grocery lists is incredibly difficult for her. It's a, it's an ordeal. We have to do it together and it takes a very long time. Um, she's a chef too, by the way. But uh, uh, because of because of the repeated head, head injuries, because she has a seizure disorder, um, she has a difficult time getting her grocery list together. If Instacart has an AI that will help her remember what she's buying and why, and help her expand on her lists, I think it'd be, that's going to be very useful. I think it's a very good use of AI. Yeah. Um, similarly, what Stripe's doing, um, I like Stripe a lot. They the, Stripe revolutionized. Um, the ability for small businesses to get into the credit economy, to um, for micro businesses to accept credit cards and, and do credit card transactions, and um, using using um, AI technology to better understand customer transactions and customer intention, um, that that opens whole worlds for micro, small and micro businesses. Some of this is wonderful to see. I agree. I think like I've said before, I think people sometimes think from my postings that I am against AI. I am not. I think it's a great uh, assistive device. I think the problem is when we let it run things is the issue. Well, there's also on this list are a couple of things I'm a little <laughs> dubious about. I don't like AI assisted um, writing. I like, I love AI yes. assisted research. I'm I'm really behind AI assisted research, remembering it's just preliminary research. But I dislike AI assisted writing. Um, I think that's something that has to come from there was, there was a joke about a haiku, asking AI to create a haiku about farts. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> now, I'm all into haikus about farts. Don't get me wrong. I'm <laughs> I'm a middle-aged teenage boy, like every, like 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 you know, every other middle-aged teenage boy. I love poems about farts. But I want a poem about farts to come from the heart, <laughs> not a cerebral brain. I want it to be about a real experience. And, you know, as much as AI uh, lets go a bunch of stinkers in content, I don't know if AI truly appreciates the feeling of just ripping one in a crowded space. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh, oh the teenage I'm a girl, you know, we don't, we don't. You know, know. we're going to be getting mail with haikus about ripping it in an open space, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know. Well, um, I will. No, I agree. And, you know, stuff. I say this every time we bring this up, but I really want people who write for a living to understand this. Google's helpful content update, go read it. Because it does not allow for AI straight AI text or mostly AI text if you look at it. And it's a machine learning algorithm, which means, sure, you may get away with it for six months or a year. But one day, like a lot of people have already noticed, they wake up one day and all their rankings are gone. They don't know why. Oh, did you do all AI content? Yes, I did. Well, that's probably why, because it doesn't offer anything useful 
or helpful. And I could be wrong, <laughs> this is my feeling about it, but when you read the requirements, which I think few people have done, uh, go check them out because AI content can't meet the requirements for the helpful content update. I did see somebody though in one of the Facebook groups this week, it was kind of sad. He said he's lost all his business right now to AI, to AI content right now. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, and off, uh, there was good advice in there, like he was not charging enough to make it sound like he offered quality content. But if you're out there and you're, you're using AI to generate like meta descriptions on unimportant pages or titles on unimportant pages, sure. But if you're using it to generate your primary content, even your primary titles and descriptions, which is what gets people to click into your website, um, be very careful because it's not creative that way. And it doesn't know how to do like, Jim is an amazing writer and he can do little splice, like little turns of phrase with words that get people interested in that page in the search results in the titles and the descriptions that AI cannot do. So as, as Jim said, it's fine as an assistive device or research, or even if you need to get ideas, but write your own content because it's over time going to be the content that Google wants to surface. And they have two updates right now that stress on individual ex experience and expertise, which AI does not have. So they're moving in that direction. If you haven't seen that writing on the wall, it's coming. I don't know what their reaction is gonna be or their action. Algorithms that devalue sites, I don't know, just refuse to index content they think is not that helpful or useful. Maybe, I'm not sure how they're gonna do it, but I don't think they're gonna allow a trillion new documents of content online this year that are mediocre AI driven. I could be wrong. Um, they won't. <laughs> um, they, how to say this? Like, Google is a machine that is it's an algorithm machine, right? Like it's run by a, by various mathematical formula. And um, it's going to take a while for Google to really figure out what's what. And this was amply demonstrated by a, uh, I love this story. I absolutely do not uh, recommend or endorse this at all. 1000% <laughs> do not do this. But um, for the two guys who did, or for the, I'm sorry, for the team who did do this um, in a couple of months, a website uh, brought in over 800,000 American dollars. Um, it did. It did. So this is called the Concho story. This is, a, this is the kind of story that we used to talk about all the time quietly. Um, this was an oil man or a web gorilla, so, or a, I'm sorry, a gorilla. Bowser. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I, was gonna, I wasn't going to use their real names. Um, oh, he uses his real name. So. Indeed. Uh, yeah, this, yeah. Was, this, this was a, uh, a Black Hat special, 100%. It's called the Conch House uh, story. How scraped Amazon content reviews, scraped Amazon reviews, 6,000 posts a day of scraped Amazon review content, a website grew uh, conch-house.com, grew from nothing to 6 million users, oh. averaging, uh, what, $19,000 a day after a month. Um, it brought in uh, about, again, $800,000 over it, the span of the... Um, Very short span. <laughs> is it a scam? It's a sp no. the, the spam. Yeah. The, sca yeah. the span of the spam. That's what it is, spam, not a scam, it's a spam. And uh, one day, it all went away. Gone. And you know, you know why it went away? Because Google caught on. <laughs> no, because, 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 you know, in affiliate marketing, don't let people know what you're doing. Somehow, people found out, and they reported them. Oh, so, you're kidding! These, guys, these no. guys went down because they talked out loud about what they were doing. I don't know if they talked out loud, but somebody knew because they got a manual action from Google from people reporting them. So uh, I don't know that I, they, are, they do have a whole video about this and Matt Diggity is the one that surfaced the story this week on Twitter. So you go check out Matt Diggity SEO, his Twitter handle, if you want yeah. to see the, the video of it. But I, I did watch the video. Um, I did not pick up on everything though because also working. Um, but yeah, yeah, so somebody, somebody turned them in or multiple people turned them in. This wasn't even Google <laughs> catching it uh, because no. Google's really good at catching this sort of thing. Gentlemen, well, start your engines. <laughs> and let's be, let's, you know, people often think I see people who don't do search like we do, who are like, like that, immerse their whole lives into it for the last decade or more, um, where they get surfaced for a little while. They do really well for a little while. 
But Google's algorithms take a while to catch up. You know, and if you do like a big link buy this week, it's next week you're not going to, unless you do it from known link buyers, you're not going to get hit next week. But in six months when you lose all your traffic because your links aren't valuable anymore, you don't know why because you don't know that Google devalued them all, that's because the algorithm's caught up. So in this case, would the algorithms have caught up? I'm guessing probably 6,000 a day is a lot. Um, but in the initial phase of this site, no, and they made a heck of a lot of money. So, Jim, when are, when are we doing an affiliate site like this? Churn <laughs> totally, and burn. Totally baby. kidding. Churn oh. and burn. <laughs> yeah, totally kidding. I knew an affiliate marketer had scripted a way to produce WordPress sites with content before AI because he had a really good spinner. Spinners are things that create content before AI did. Um, he could spin one up in an hour, and he'd spin up like 30 in a day, and then he would just buy links to all of them uh, from his link, or he created a link network over time. And whatever ranked, ranked, whatever brought him money, great. The rest of burned, he didn't care. Yeah, yeah it's a volume game. Um, yeah. The more you put out, the more you'll bring back. And the honest truth is, I I naively believe in the, in the sanctity of an information environment. Um, I'm a goof. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like, honest to goodness. Um, I honestly don't know why people don't, more people don't um, do things like this. And I imagine a lot of people do do things like this and it's just so quiet and underground. Oh yeah. Um, there is a, a um, young core of SEOs, their early thirties. And actually I really, really dig these people for their audacity um, that are, you know, I forget who it was. Uh, I'm not going to say even, even actually, I remember exactly who it was, but I'm not going to say what city they were in, dragging a wagon full of uh, cell phones around downtown. <laughs> favorable. Like, seriously, that's the length of which these people will go. It's phenomenal. Let's, let's also, let's be clear. Regular SEOs are not doing this. This is the generally affiliate marketing SEO, which is, you know, you're turning and burning websites to make money. You know, Fonteri, so, yeah. yeah. But again, a hats off, black hats off to them. Um, well, yeah, a black hat's a tactic, right? It's not illegal. Not illegal about putting a bunch of cell phones in a wagon. <laughs> and walking around messing with, <laughs> with, 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 with uh, local referrals. No, not at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> but yeah, but I, I do want to make that clarification though, because I, I, and we won't get into this article because it's just another SEO thing, but it's like, I see all these like national writers never contact an SEO and they always write about SEO as uh, we're the people with the wagon of cell phones. <laughs> we're not, we're like just trying to help sites do well on Google so they can keep their people employed and their owners making money. But there are some great stories. We should do a show, like a special show on Black Hat SEO stories. <laughs> I would love to. There's there's, yeah, there's some characters out there who, again, I would do this in my practice. Um, no, I don't do it in mine either. No. Um, again, I'm we're we're both lucky enough to have um, you know uh, fairly, for want of a better word, prestige clients. I I I like my client list right now. Um, it makes me feel um, useful. And I, I would never, I mean, these are blue chip corporations. I would never yeah. screw around like that. But what these kids are doing uh, blows well, my mind. And the, and the, okay. and the inventiveness but, that goes behind it, eh? But you can't just say kids are doing it because like, I mean, back in the day, the reason that Google started a lot of these algorithms was the black hatters and early on in SEO, right? Oh like yeah. They were doing, they, I mean, the reason I can say Bozer's name is he go to conferences and talk about it with his name. So it wasn't it wasn't a big secret. But but you know, they actually like had conversations with Google's search team like Matt Cutts because you know, Matt's like, what are you guys doing? Oh, I don't know. You know. So it's not like that anymore. But it did used to be a direct relationship between those black hatters and, and Google themselves to try to make better algorithms, but at the same time them keeping making their money. So No, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some Googlers going to the um to the uh, black hatter conferences. And in fact there's one oh, they were. um there's one <laughs> SEO on the beach is happening like right now. Um and I'm sure there's a couple of Googlers. Uh you know, carefully wrapped up in towels, uh, acting real nonchalant, uh, <laughs> sitting right behind right. a really interesting conversation. That's why I miss Ungagged. Ungagged fell to the pandemic, but Ungagged was no recordings, no video, no anything, and they were serious. And if they caught you doing anything, they'd make you delete it on your phone. I did not, of course. But I mean, there was someone who once, you know, said, I'm going to stop my talk right now if you don't stop recording what I'm saying. So you got some really good black hat information. And so people are aware for my 
personal point of view, I've written two articles on it. Um, there's black hat, gray hat, white hat, and then I'm just going to call it butt hat here. You can insert the curse word in there. Um, they're all tactics. No one's truly white hat, because if you're truly white hats, you'd wait for links to come to you, according to Google, and, and you would never rank. But gray hat is more like you're going to actively try to get people to link to you, but you're not doing anything that would get your site in trouble. Black hat, you can put the site in danger. So you never want to put it on your cash register unless you're an affiliate marketer and that is your cash register. And those are the ones I call butt hat. If you're not telling a client like you're using these tactics, which now aren't as big of a deal, but back in like Penguin, all those people lost their sites because people bought links and they didn't tell the company they were buying links. Well, that, that, used, lost... to be, that used to be a rule in the SEO industry. Um, yeah. if, you if you get your client banned, you're uh, probably done with getting references from other SEOs. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. But but nowadays, you wouldn't so much get banned. You would just cause them to have devaluations. They wouldn't understand how they got. So if you're doing black hat tactics, it's just a tactic as long as you're not hacking, which is illegal. But if you're just doing black hat tactics, that's a tactic. But make sure your client understands the risks. And you don't do it on the main cash register that people are relying on to pay like their mortgages and buy food. Because if they lose that site traffic, they, you know, that's on you. We're coming. We're we're coming around to the end of the end of the show really quickly, and I really want to make sure I get this announcement in. This is like a public service announcement. Um, this directly affects people on Vancouver Island, but it could honestly, it could affect anybody anywhere in an emergency situation. This is happening right now. There's a wildfire on Vancouver Island, a, a major forest fire that is blocking the only highway between three tourist towns on the west coast of the island and the rest of civilization. Literally, it's the only road in and out of that part of uh, Vancouver Island. Um, and it's covered by burning forest. There are small, it's the only highway in and out. There are small logging roads that dot the mountains in, uh, in that area. It's a heavily logged area and there are mountain roads that will go all the way back to civilization. But they're incredibly narrow, incredibly dangerous. And you're literally driving on a uh, 10 foot wide road with a 200 or so foot cliff right beside you the entire way um that's scary it's terrifying you yeah. you need to know those roads to drive those roads but it's the only way in and out for literally thousands of tourists who are trapped in these three small tourist towns with a major forest fire on the only highway safe way to get in and out so a lot of to, a lot of uh, non-locals who don't know the mountain roads are trusting Google GPS, uh, Google Maps, and they're being misdirected frequently. A couple of them have literally been driven into lakes, and many are being driven um, tens, um, and in one case over a hundred kilometers, about sixty miles, through treacherous, winding mountain roads, only to come to a logging gate that has been closed for I don't know years um and it's not opening like that that the gate's closed and it doesn't go anywhere it's just a misdirection from the gps um in an emergent situation uh newspaper maps don't necessarily trust what uh the internet is feeding you as the uh as your 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 your, your road to safety it has uh, literally killed a couple people this week on vancouver island um yeah, that's a very important thing to, to remember when it comes to emergency situations. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> highway, the, the Horn Lake Road, don't use Horn Lake Road. No matter what Google uh, Maps tells you if you're on Vancouver Island, don't do it. You're going to end up way up a mountain and getting back down is real hard. Well, and, okay. and well, before we close, I have one more thing that went just back to the Black Hat story. Just yeah, yeah, sorry. If we got like a minute. Um, there is a new search quality issues feedback form to report sites that are spam or are uh, there's some other things that Google puts in there. Primarily, it's not considered a good form to like report your competition, but unless <laughs> they're like doing something really evil. But you know, there are sites you run across that are just straight spam, and you're like, I really wish Google would just get rid of the site. And you can do that, and they could do it before the feedback form, but the new one has uh, more ways to report. It has more information, just more granular um, choices. So like the page is deceptive, it's low quality, it, it contains paid links, don't report people for that. Um, 
Just because when someone sometimes pays an affiliate, they don't realize that they didn't put a no follow in there. Um, spammy content, spammy behavior. So if you know a site that's like, you know, spoofing people and taking their money or something illegal or doing something they shouldn't be, then you can report it to Google. Yeah. Okay, on that, we have gone around the clock. We've gotten a full hour. Um, it is an hour, and again, it's the top of the hour on the at the time the show was recorded, which was the 15th of June, uh, 2023. On behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, it's Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, we want to thank the folks at WMR.FM and the folks in the uh, engineering room, and uh, want to thank our sponsors, um, Audience Key. Uh, folks, stay well. Be kind to each other, rank well, uh, happy pride, be kind, and we will talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.